Gun violence has claimed more than 100,000 lives in Mexico over the last decade. We are seeing more victims coming across the border for medical treatment as a result of various kinds of cartel activity. It's not just got caught in gunfire in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is a whole new level of cartel violence. And yet, there's just one, one gun store in the entire country. Illegal guns are coming across the border from the United States, and the Mexican government has had enough. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. Today, why the Mexican government filed a federal lawsuit against several U.S. gun companies, and a look into who's been hit the hardest by the illicit firearms flooding south of the border into Mexico. Jean Guerrero is an op-ed columnist for the Los Angeles Times, and last year she wrote about the personal connection that she's had with gun violence in Mexico. So my cousin, he had just turned 16. His name's Diego Maximiliano Rosas Valenzuela. He was kidnapped just a few days after his 16th birthday, and less than a year after I had left Mexico City, I had been living there for a few years, and he and his mom and many of my other cousins had kind of really just gone out of their way to make me feel at home when I moved there, and I just spent a lot of my time with them. And yeah, he was kidnapped at gunpoint, obviously, and the family got together as much of the money as they could, and ultimately they never got Diego back. I'm sure your family, all these years later, they still mourn that. Well, Veronica, his mom, has not accepted that he's even gone. I think this is really common with the thousands of mothers and and fathers whose children have been disappeared, the thousands of desaparecidos in Mexico. It's really hard to have closure and to accept that the person is gone forever if you don't have a body. It's just this, like, never-ending cycle of hope and terror and grief and despair and uncertainty. And watching Veronica go through that has been just really, really devastating. Just recently, like a few months ago, she was looking in the Gran Canal de Catepec, basically sewage canals nearby where he was kidnapped to see if she could find some remains. She'd gotten some advice from investigators that potentially his remains could be there. So she's searching for his remains, but still hasn't given up hope that maybe somewhere she might still find him alive. And that's what makes just the problem of the disappeared in Mexico so difficult. Yeah, all these kidnappings and disappearances and murders, at the end, it's all guns. Guns that are creating this. And this despite the fact that Mexico has some of the strictest gun laws in the world. Yeah, exactly. There's only one gun store in the entire country protected heavily by the military. Mexico issues fewer than 50 gun permits every year. But nevertheless, you you know, more than 180,000 people have been killed in Mexico with guns since 2007. And when you look at the guns that are recovered from crime scenes in Mexico, between 70 and 90% of them come from the United States, which means that they were illegally smuggled into Mexico from the United States. And that's just a shocking number when you think about it. 
And in your column, you wrote that U.S. gun companies should be held liable for this tragedy of gun violence in Mexico. I think so, yeah. And so the Mexican government actually filed a lawsuit saying that some of the largest U.S. gun companies are deliberately powering and profiting off of the bloodshed. The manufacturers and distributors of guns in the United States act negligently by allowing criminals and straw purchasers, basically anybody, to buy a gun. Alejandro Celorio Alcantara, who's the legal advisor for Mexico's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, is bringing a lawsuit. These negligent and illicit conducts facilitate the illicit traffic of those guns into Mexico. They're marketing their weapons to the Mexican market in violation of Mexico's strict gun laws. They use many really alarming examples in their complaint. For example, there's a Colt pistol that features the Mexican revolutionary Emiliano Zapata and the Spanish phrase, it is better to die standing than to live on your knees. There's other weapons, Colt's El Jefe, Spanish for the boss. They know that their products end in the hands of criminals. And even though they know this, they do nothing to monitor and discipline their line of distribution. Um, I'll put you an example. Like, there are guns um, called Jefe de Jefes, or with Aztec symbols, or with reference to uh, the Mexican Revolution um, heroes. It seems that the companies know that there's a market to which they should address uh, or market their product, but this this consumer's market is not within U.S. territory. It's in Mexico. So they know. They know that their product is sending in the hands of criminals. And even though they know, they do nothing to stop the illicit traffic of their product in, out of the United States. There's this University of San Diego study that found that 47% of licensed U.S. gun dealers would go out of business if it wasn't for the demand from Mexican cartels. So it's pretty clear that you know, this is a massive business for them. And Mexico is finally trying to hold these gun companies accountable. And I think it's long, long overdue that this happen. More on that lawsuit after a quick break. And we're back with LA Times op-ed columnist Jean Guerrero. And Jean, what are the specifics behind this lawsuit that the Mexican government has filed against U.S. gun manufacturers? Mexico is suing these gun manufacturers for billions of dollars in damages for the gun violence that has been created in Mexico. Uh, they're also urging these companies to use a smart gun technology to prevent unauthorized use. This is, you know, just a simple way that they can modify their assault rifles so that they're not used by someone who is not the intended owner. There's a lot of information out there of how they can use their technology and their innovation to better design their military-style weapons, but at least perhaps that is it could be only used by the original user, like a digital key or some device. Devices to make it very hard to obliterate the serial number so it's easier to trace the guns and that way you can trace the, the illicit trafficking routes. This is an important thing that should be changed. Semi-automatic guns are very easily modified to become fire guns, automatic machine guns. You know? They should improve 
the technology of their products, so it's harder to modify them. The gun companies being sued by Mexico have asked that the case be dismissed. And in the official response, these gun companies are basically telling Mexico, hey, fix your own gun problems. Don't put it on us. What's been the Mexican government's response? I spoke to Marcela Celorio, who's Mexico's consul general in Los Angeles, and she told me, you know, this has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. This has nothing to do with an attack on America's constitutional freedoms as the U.S. gun companies are, are trying to cast this. It's about holding gun companies accountable for what she calls negligent commercial practices. This demonstrated tendency to market weapons and design weapons that appeal to Mexican criminal organizations, which has resulted in devastating loss of life for, for years in Mexico. And not even just criminal organizations. I mean, you mentioned some of those guns, these gun manufacturers, they're falling back on beloved cultural uh, trademarks, if you will, of Mexico, Emiliano Zapata, El Grito, like really playing up on patriotism and machismo. Yes, exactly. I mean, these weapons, obviously, there's an entirely separate issue of the Mexican military and law enforcement ending up with legally obtained weapons from these U.S. gun companies that are also complicit in this violence against ordinary Mexicans. But this lawsuit is really targeting the fact that you have these gun companies that appear to be profiting deliberately off of stoking violence and violent attitudes, violent cultures in, in Mexico. And that ties back to my cousin, you know, one of the suspects in his kidnapping. I was looking at his Facebook back when we were trying to figure out what happened. And a number of photos showed him with U.S weapons and and like spelling out his name with ammunition and and just glorifying like US mafia culture and that violent culture that that US gun companies promote both here and and in Mexico. Mexico isn't alone in its gun lawsuit last month 12 US states district of Colombia the countries of Antigua, Barbuda and Belize they filed briefs in court saying that they support Mexico's lawsuit. What does that say to you? It says that this is really resonating with people. There have been so many different attempted avenues at holding U.S. gun companies accountable for the violence that they create in our society. And so far, they've just hit roadblock after roadblock. And many people are looking to Mexico's lawsuit as a potential, something that could have positive ripple effects across countries, across the globe, and, and really results in these U.S. gun companies adopting distribution and marketing tactics and really just taking safety seriously. The immediate impact is that we would see, hopefully, less guns crossing the border. If criminals have less high firepower, it'll be easier to enforce Mexican law and it'll be easier to stop the situation of violence that we're living. The key is to have less guns being trafficked illicitly from the United States. And if the companies stop facilitating this illicit traffic through their negligent and illicit practices, we'll see a Mexico that is safer, more secure, and at the end, the situation will be better managed. So, Gene, while this lawsuit makes its way through the system, people like your cousin 
they continue to be impacted by gun violence in Mexico. And a lot of the victims or the survivors of the victims, they're not waiting for any guilty verdict because they're already blaming American gun companies for so much bloodshed in Mexico. In the U.S., it's like kind of hard to wrap your mind around this idea that we here in the U.S. are complicit in the tragedies south of the border. We have so many stereotypes and this idea that Mexico is this inherently violent, inherently criminal place. And, and, and we never examine the role that our culture and our corporations and our government interventions play in the suffering of people south of the border. And I think that this is an issue where that's really starting to become clear and we need to confront it. In terms of the, the moral imperative, I coordinate litigation, but I'm also a, I'm a Mexican national and I'm a parent, I have a family. It's unbelievable that the companies refuse to take responsibility on what is happening. It's unbelievable and they should open their eyes. They should self-regulate themselves. They should monitor and um, discipline their, their distribution chain. If they know that one of their distributors, one of the stores that are selling their products is selling guns to straw purchasers or to members to organize crime, they should stop selling to them. What's the legal defense that the gun companies being sued by Mexico are using? So one of the main things that these gun companies are bringing up is this federal law called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which largely protects gun makers and dealers from liability when their products are used to injure people. But Mexico's lawyers are saying that, you know, this this does not apply in this case. They're citing a Supreme Court case that says that when it comes to tort cases where actions in one country cause injury in another, the, the default rule is that the law in the place where the injury occurs is what applies. So basically, it's just not relevant here. Like what's relevant are the laws in Mexico. And the Mexican government is confident that the federal liability shield in the United States is not going to bar this case. And finally, what are some steps that U.S. officials can take to reduce gun trafficking into Mexico or are taking? What they can do and what they are doing is, is vastly different. I mean, they, they really haven't done much at all. But, you know, I, I spoke to Yon Grio, who wrote Blood, Gun, Money, How America Arms Gangs and Cartels, a very informative book about this. One of the things that he he's really big on is, is obviously if we were to adopt universal background checks, which 84% of people in the United States are actually supportive of, so it's it's mostly just the NRA that's like making sure that this never happens. If we had universal background checks and we had serious prison sentences for straw purchasers, that could really save lives both here and in Mexico. The fact that none of these steps are being taken is really just alarming and speaks to gun companies' complete indifference to the, the suffering and violence in, in Mexico. I think the notion that companies should do something. They should be helpful. They should take the opportunity to do something to stop the illicit traffic of their product into Mexico is growing. They should be responsible and be held accountable. Jean, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. As Alejandro Celorio and his team continue their fight against U.S. gun makers in federal court, 
The push to make those companies liable for violence here in the United States is ratcheting up, too. In February, Remington agreed to pay $73 million to the families of the victims of the Sandy Hook massacre. Meanwhile, California Governor Gavin Newsom, he announced a bill incentivizing private citizens to sue gun manufacturers who allegedly violate the state's firearm laws. It's modeled after the Texas abortion bill, and like that piece of legislation, if it passes and becomes law, it's likely to face legal challenges. Before we leave. Uh, we're hearing a few explosions of the distance, but nothing close yet. Here's hoping it stays that way. Our colleagues at the LA Times are reporting on the Ukraine conflict from all sorts of angles, both on the ground. Well, this apartment is destroyed. Yeah, it's like I just took a chunk out of it. And from the United States, on business, political, and even cultural angles. Visit latimes.com for our thorough coverage and follow us and our reporters on social media as well for quick dispatches. The reporter you just heard is Nabi Bulos, who's a Middle East bureau chief for the Los Angeles Times, but he's been in Ukraine for weeks. You could follow him on Twitter at N-A-B-I-H-B-U-L-O-S. A lot of people in these shelters here. Um, obviously, this is a metro, but it doubles as a bomb shelter, clearly. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, what China is taking away from Russia's current predicament. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brosalian, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Kinsey Morley. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. And hey, we want your feedback, or at least my bosses do. So give it to them, please. Call or text 619-800-0717. That's 619-800-0717. This is not a fun drive. Tell us who you are, what you think about our show, any random questions you have or comments, please. We want to hear them. Gracias in advance. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias.